Hello and welcome to the Select Sector Spider Sector Digest podcast for the week of May 1st, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Bayaki, ready to dig into all things sectors for the week ahead and look back at the week that was. And it is hard to believe that we're already into May. And I say that partly because here in Colorado, the weather has been so brutal. It seems like we're never going to get into spring, let alone summer. And yet here we are, and we're kicking off May. And we did have the final week of April. So looking back, it was one of those weeks where you look up, the S&P 500's up another 87 basis points, now up 8.6% for the year. And the sectors that were leadership were the sectors that you would expect. Communication services up 3.8%, technology up 2%. Consumer discretionary up 33 basis points. The sectors that were down, healthcare down 57 basis points, utilities down 92 basis points. And in many ways, it's underscoring just what's going on in this market, because not only are those sectors like technology and communication services rebounding significantly from a very poor year in 2022, it's those big stocks in those sectors that are driving them higher. I mean, communication services this week up 3.83%. You had Meta, which is the biggest weight in the sector, just blowing out earnings, at least from the market's perspective, and rallying so significantly that you, you, you look under the hood of communication services, you look under the hood of technology, you look under the hood of the market, and it's really these big, massive mega cap stocks that are driving the market higher and driving these key sectors higher. On the flip side, of course, is consumer discretionary XLY, where Amazon's results initially really well received by the market. And then we had quite a sell off as people started to read through some of those results and, and the market didn't exactly like what they saw. But the, the punchline is positive week for the S&P 500. We continue to lurch higher, led largely by the biggest of the biggest stocks in the market. And on the economic data front, it was another confounding week. Case Schiller, basically in line with expectations, but perhaps not as strong as the market was hoping for, and certainly homeowners were hoping for. You look at new home sales data, it beat. But again, you look at the broader trend there, not exactly the type of robust market activity that underpins a strong economic backdrop. Then we had consumer confidence, which was lower than expected, and consumer sentiment that was right in line. So perhaps consumers are just as confused as market watchers. Then we had a GDP print tracking at 1.1% for the quarter versus 2% expected. So lower than expected, weaker than expected economic activity or economic growth. And once again, driven largely by government spending. And then you had PCE, the Fed's favorite indicator of inflation, higher than expected or higher than consensus. And so the word stagflation started to bubble up once again. And you sort of look at these two economic indicators, inflation, economic growth as measured by GDP, and ultimately the the stage is set now for what is a very important week in terms of economic data, and we'll get into that in a bit, but we've got a Fed decision coming up, and many are expecting this to be the end of an era, as it were, where the Fed is going to do at the very least one of its last rate hikes for quite some time, perhaps a pause, perhaps a pivot, 
after this 25 basis point seems to be the the baseline expectation but you've got this fed in a box where economic activity based on the re- latest gdp reading is at the very least normalizing if not going in the wrong direction and you've got inflation and components of inflation that are somewhat sticky and stubbornly high and that word stagflation gets bandied about a lot but it puts the Fed in a corner. And as the old saying goes, nobody puts Jerome Powell in a corner. But anyways, I digress. So a positive week for the market once again, despite all that stuff we just went through, which is this confounding economic data, this matrix of economic information that seems to be confounding even the most experienced market participants. And yet, if you're in the biggest sectors in the market and you're invested in the market, you've been rewarded with a near 9% gain year to date. You've got tremendous performance from communication services, technology, and to some degree, consumer discretionary so far in 2023. And those folks who were defensive coming into the year have largely lagged the market. Now, going forward, depending on who you ask, there are opportunities to reposition on a relative sector basis toward defensive sectors, but we'll get into that in a minute. If you look at volume, 672 million shares traded across the select sector spider lineup, so a week in which the market was up and volume was pretty robust. Once again, communication services led the way. Interestingly, energy eked out a gain up 21 basis points, even though we've seen pretty weak tape in crude oil, both domestically on WTI and and globally in Brent. But we did have some pretty big earnings results from both Chevron and Exxon, two of the largest companies in the sector at the end of the week, which probably held up the sector by and large in a week in which there are concerns about demand destruction coming from the weakening of economic economic activity, both domestically and globally. Now, Flows were fairly muted, about 6 million shares all told, net creations across the lineup, 12 million more new shares created in XLF, roughly, let's call it 500 plus million in net inflows for the week into XLF once again, 8 million new shares created in XLU, of course, the defensive sector, and then 4 million shares redeemed out of XLI, a more cyclical sector, industrials, and 7 million more shares redeemed out of XLE. So it is a market that is trying to position based on the real-time economic data that we're getting and relative sector positioning. And one of the research partners we run on the Sector Spider website, which again, another plug for that website, which has been updated recently and looks a lot better, especially on the mobile version, is Ned Davis. And Ned Davis is talking this week about the relative performance, relative attractiveness of some of these defensive sectors. And one of the sectors they're focused on this week is is healthcare. And I thought it was a good opportunity because we had some client questions about healthcare recently. And I was looking at the healthcare sector, XLV specifically. And one of the interesting things about healthcare within that defensive set. So you've got utilities, you've got staples, and you've got healthcare. You no longer have telecom as a outright defensive sector because it's just an industry within the communication services sector, which as we talked about is dominated by these large mega cap companies like Meta, like Alphabet. But when you look at healthcare relative to the other sectors in that defensive pocket of the marketplace, 
it has a lot of those characteristics that people look for in defense. That it does have a lower volatility factor bias relative to the market. It does all else equal give you a higher dividend yield than the market, relatively so. It's fairly marginal. But unlike staples, unlike utilities, it actually tilts toward quality. And unlike those two sectors, it also has less leverage than the market. And that's important because in an environment where leverage tends to get punished, especially for companies that have to roll their debt, have to refinance in a market environment where rates are significantly higher, having less leverage, having higher quality are characteristics from a factor perspective that tend to benefit companies in this part of the cycle, in this type of economic environment. And of course, when you look at the growth characteristics of utilities and staples, they they really just don't exist. If you look at the growth factor exposure relative to the market, utilities and staples are well, well below that of the market. And, and healthcare is just slightly below the market. So as we've talked about previously, within the healthcare sector, you get that lower volatility exposure from a factor perspective. You get a higher size bias, you get a higher quality bias, you get less leverage, and you tend to get around market growth from a factor perspective. So there's characteristics within healthcare that differentiate it from the market, from a relative volatility, relative beta perspective, but there's also characteristics that differentiate it from other defensive sectors in the market. And just from a relative positioning perspective, we've seen $12 billion in net inflows into XLV over the course of the past three years alone, $7.5 billion in 2022. So far in 2023, it's had about $1.3 billion or so in net outflows. So it hasn't been a popular trade so far in 2023, just from a relative flow perspective. But as we get further and further along in the year, in this economic context where growth seems to be challenged, inflation remains sticky, and there's concerns about the potential for either a deep, a shallow, or no recession, perhaps just the normalization of economic activity in the wrong direction, or as we talked about at the top, stagflation, healthcare is one of those sectors that just has very unique characteristics relative to the market and relative to other defensive sectors. So, as our partners on the research side, Ned Davis, talk about, it is a sector that they're looking at closely and that investors might consider on a go-forward basis. Because once again, it's not like utilities and staples in that it's a single-digit percentage of the market. It is a fairly high weighting in the market. And you've got some really large companies. When you look at the average size of the healthcare sector just relative to the market, it's actually slightly higher in terms of the average size of the company in the healthcare sector than the S&P 500, significantly higher than staples, significantly higher than utilities, but once again, tends to have a bias towards quality, lower leverage, still has those low volatility characteristics, but offers more growth potential than, at least from a factor perspective, other defensive sectors. So with that, let's look ahead to next week on the economic data front. And it is a doozy. It's Fed week. So we're going to get a Fed decision. We're going to get a feel for how comfortable the Fed is either raising rates once again in the teeth of this storm or 
how comfortable the Fed is raising rates and pausing or not raising rates, pausing or perhaps pivoting. The language, of course, the interview with Mr. Powell after that Fed decision will be very revealing. It often is, and the market tends to move on what is asked and how they answer those questions in that press conference. But we're also going to get ISM manufacturing and services. Remember, as we've talked about, ISM manufacturing has been in a recession for quite some time. We'll see what the services segment looks like because, of course, that is such an integral part of the economy. And then we'll also get payrolls on Friday. So any way you stack it, just from an economic data perspective, we get very important market-moving data this week. And then on the earnings front, it's another full week, 150-plus more companies reporting earnings this week. And while we don't have the gargantuan companies that we had last week, we do have Apple on Thursday, which will probably be the most watched of the companies reporting this week, but we'll hear from Starbucks, we'll hear from AMD, we'll hear from Pfizer in the healthcare sector, we'll hear from Kraft Heinz in the staples sector. So there are companies that give us tremendous insight into very key sectors in the market. They just won't be as big and as necessarily widely watched as the big companies we heard from last week. But Apple, of course, is one of the largest companies in the world and certainly the most widely followed companies in the market. So with that, I'd like to thank everyone once again for joining me. My name is Paul Bayaki, Chief ETF Strategist at SSNC Alps Advisors. I thank you so much for joining. Catch you next time. Take care.